Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Monday, we're going to talk some USC Trojan football, the NFL draft, answering your questions about the team with Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, harveyhyde.com. Lots of shows from Harvey. You can check all of that out up on his website. He loves tweeting out information about the USC football team, too, so you can check him out there. If you have any questions or comments, our email address is podcast at uscfootball.com. We got some emails from you, and if you'd like to text us, you can do that or leave us a voicemail. The number for that is 424-254-9141. That's 424-254-9141. Send us a text. Leave us a voicemail. We love to get back to you and talk about what you want to hear about here on the Peristyle Podcast, especially during the off season. Never seems like an off-season coach because there's always stuff going on, and the latest one is the NFL draft. It certainly is. We just move right along. That's why there's football year-round. And really, you know, what was amazing, did you see how football, the NFL draft, the build-up to it, Ryan, how it just dominated over the hockey playoffs, the NBA playoffs. You didn't even know they were happening as far as you know me being a football guy. Now, if you're a hockey guy or basketball guy, obviously that's what you were watching. But it just seemed like it just dominated the airways and and shows and media. It was absolutely amazing the effect of the NFL draft and how they run their business. Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy how it's it just dominates. The NFL is really smart about all this stuff, and uh, if there's something going on in the NFL, that's what people care about because it's the number one sport uh, in our country. So certainly, we want to talk about that where the USC players went. Uh, before we do, I wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. You want to go to sctickets.com or call them at 1-800-888-7287. If you need tickets for anything, they'll be able to help you out. I know the new L.A. Football Club just opened last night. It seemed like a really popular ticket. Uh, a lot of people in the brand-new stadium, which is right next to the Coliseum. If you want to get tickets to that, uh, no more hockey playoffs in L.A. Kings and Ducks did not do so well. Uh, but you got the Dodgers and you got the Angels and um, obviously no NBA playoffs in LA either. But, you know, looking forward, you got baseball and, and the soccer now looks pretty. I'm not a big soccer guy, but I, everything I saw on Twitter, Coach, people were going crazy over this new LA football club. I agree with you 100%. The stadium's absolutely beautiful. The location we're very much aware of, and I'm sure everybody else. Uh, thing I'm amazed at, Ryan, how fast they built that, really. They didn't mess around. They built that in a year. You know, that's unbelievable. It was crazy. Um, and you saw, saw the development as it's going forward. And, uh, you know, we were hoping USC could play, play the spring football game in there. But obviously that didn't happen. But it looks really neat from everything um, everything I've seen. Uh, it's pretty cool uh, what, what they're putting together there. So I, I want to go check it out. I'm not a big soccer guy, but I would go check it out, Coach. I think you should. And, uh Someday I'll get by there and check it out too. But right now, I'm focused more on uh, our podcast. So why don't we get started? And then probably all our listeners are saying, why don't you? Yes. Well, we will. Uh, okay, so we, first topic is the NFL draft. Wanted to get your thoughts. We'll give you a quick recap. 
Uh, third overall pick, first round, Sam Darnold goes to the New York Jets. The Jets traded up. Most people thought Darnold would go to the Browns. Most people had Darnold as their number one uh, quarterback, number one player as far as the evaluations go in the draft. The Cleveland Browns did not feel that way. They went with Baker Mayfield. So uh, Darnold drops a couple spots to the Jets at number three. Uh, no other first round players from the Trojans, but Ronald Jones went early in the second round. Uh, the sixth pick of the second round. So that's the 38th overall pick. He goes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then a little bit later, 10 picks later, the 16th pick of the second round, 48th pick overall. Uchenna Nwusu, the outside linebacker. He stays home, coach. Carson, California, where the Chargers are playing for the next couple of years. That's where he grew up. Went to Narbonne High School. He's selected by the Chargers. So I think I love that uh, landing spot for him. And then the last player, Selected uh, third round, 15th pick uh, of the third round. Rasheem Green uh, goes to P. Carroll. He hasn't drafted a lot of USC players lately, but he picks up Rasheem Green from Sarah High School. Uh, he's a Seattle Seahawk. And that was it. So six other players signed uh, uh, free agent deals, but uh, Deontay Burnett wasn't drafted. Steven Mitchell wasn't drafted. Those guys both were invited to the NFL Combine. Uh, Nico Fala. Vianney Talamayvau, um, Chris Hawkins, Josh Fatu. So some of the guys you thought maybe be able to sneak in did not. But the the four big, big names on the board all went within the first two days of the draft, Coach. Yep, you're exactly right. And, you know, uh, when Cleveland didn't take Sam Darnold, I was shocked. I'm, I'm saying I, I, I think Baker Mayfield's a great player and a great competitor. I watched him play in the Rose Bowl this year, but uh, – I think the majority of the teams in the NFL thought Sam Darnold was number one. I did, obviously. I saw what he did on the field, and I know what he did when the ball was in his hands, and and I think he did a lot. Uh, but excuse me, I've got sinuses, people, so excuse me if I do that. Um, in a in a way, I think they did him a favor by going to the Jets because I'm not quite sure Cleveland knows what they're doing. As far as they could have taken Blake or May, uh, Baker Mayfield and taken uh, the running back first, but they no one would have taken uh, Baker. I don't think that early, and they would have been able to get if they did. They would have been able to get Sam Darnold then, or, or Josh Allen, or somebody. So when you look at that, you say, what are they doing? I mean, basically, because I know the way the thinking goes with this. So I, I hope they are successful. And I hope they do it. But Sam going to New York, I think is going to be great. Leonard Williams is saying, come on in. You can stay with me. Uh, no one's going to put a lot of pressure on him to perform right away there. He's going to learn a lot of football. He's going to be a great team guy. And as he said in his interview, you know, I'm just going to compete. And I think that's exactly what he's going to do. And I think he'll be a, he's a great draft choice. Okay. Great kid. And I'm glad he's with the Jets or the Giants, whoever he would have gone with. So I'm happy for him. As far as Ronald Jones, how many times do we say, run the football more? Run the football more. I think all of us realized, you saw practice every day, how good Ron Jones really is. I mean, he is a great breakaway back. He runs laterally when he gets to the second level. He breaks tackles. He's got, he really improved this senior year, or this last year, excuse me, in pass blocking, which he needed to do. And he's always had great hands. He's a great competitive football player. And he's going to start for the Bucks. You watch. They got rid of Doug Martin. They bring, they're bringing him in to start. So I'm, I'm really happy for him. 
and the great job he's doing. And how about Owusu, man? Here's a guy that stayed in school. Here's a guy that played his senior year at USC. Here's a guy that matured late. Here's a guy that became a better football player. Here's a guy that got drafted by a local team that watched him play probably every Saturday at home in the Coliseum. Gets to stay home. Here's a kid that uh, he's going to be a starter. You watch. He's going to be a starter with the Chargers. going to play a lot. Stayed his complete football career at USC and really did do a great job. I think he's going to, he's a great find for the Chargers. And then you, you got Rasheed Green, uh, that you just mentioned, and Pete Carroll took him. And all along, I've said, so I'm not going to come along later and say this, I thought he should have stayed another year. I think he was ready to mature like a lot like Wushu or Wusu's did. I'm, excuse me if I'm pronouncing his name wrong, because I know I am. But I think he could have gotten bigger and stronger. Not that he won't play. I don't think he'll start for Seattle. And I want to wish him the best of luck. But I think he could have been a first-rounder a year from now. But I want to wish him the best of luck. And and the other ones aside free agencies, uh, I sometimes think it's better to be a free agent than to get drafted in the 8th, ninth, or 10th round, but you don't have much to say about where you're going. Normally when you're a free agent, your agent knows the rosters of these teams and puts you where there's a need, of where there's a chance for you to hook on as far as, as a special teams player and a backup or something somewhere. So I think half of the guys will hook up and hook on. They normally do. The one surprise I have is Matt Lopes. I think Matt Lopes, if he wanted to play in the NFL, would have a chance. Great special teams player, always around the football, good tackler. I don't I don't know if he really wanted to play in the NFL, because I would have signed him as a free agent. He's a team player and really did a great job. So that's more or less my opinion as far as where the players went and so on all i can say just imagine uh the number of players that were drafted this year the record they had and you think about well they got must have a lot of returning players and they should be pretty good next year but look at the two they lost on the offensive side of the football sam donald and ronnie jones but they've got i tell you i watched a lot of films this past week when i was out of town on a cedric Ware hey, he's, he's going to be a great football player. I think he's going to be a great one. And Stephen Carr, so I think you can get a replacement there. The quarterback situation, we'll have to wait and see. But that's just part of all growing up the defensive side of the football. I think you're, you're going to be in pretty good shape. And I think you'll be better in some areas. But uh, uh, they've got to grow up now and find another way to win at USC. It's not going to be with Sam Darnold. It's going to be with defense and special teams. And uh, don't put your defense in a bad position. Let the defense put the offense in a good position. So you don't have to go necessarily the length of the field, but you can drive and keep the football and keep the other offense off the field. So that's my feeling as far as the conclusion of spring and this year's draft. So um, real quick on the on the draft, uh, you know, three of the players that were drafted from USC ended up being uh, guys that left school early. You know, Sam Darnold, obviously. Um, you know, Rasheem Green and, uh, and and Ronald Jones and Wusu was a senior. Um, but there was a fourth that left early that wasn't drafted in Deontay Burnett. Um, Clay Helton said that they actually sent out 10 evaluations to the NFL for people that uh, in the program that weren't, uh, you know, their eligibility, they still had eligibility left. 
Um, and four of them decided to leave early. Six ended up returning um, just to give the players like a little bit more information of of what was going on. And, uh, you know, I think that made sense. Uh, Deontay Burnett, I felt, you know, seemed a little iffy for him to leave early. Some people felt like, well, you know, he's done all he could do in college. You know, he had, you know, setting records in the Rose Bowl and the Cotton Bowl and all that. And who knows what kind of quarterback he was going to come back to for this year. So it might not have hurt, you know, helped him really to come back. But what were your thoughts on him um, not getting drafted? I know, uh, uh, you know, we, we got to hear Clay Helton on a Pac-12 conference call recently, and he'd said that he really thinks he's going to be one of those guys like Nikel Roby who makes, it to, makes a, a team and, and the Tennessee Titans were getting a steal by signing him. But what are your thoughts about Deontay Burnett? Well, I think he's a player that was in the right place at the right time and starred in the right games when he got great publicity and recognition. And I think that he's a player that I wish he would have stayed at USC. Whether, you know, you can always do better. It's not just having a big game here or there. He caught a lot of balls, too. But it's part of maturing. Some kids take a while to mature, and maybe he will become a great player. We hope he does. But sometimes you need to stay around a little bit and become a little bit more physical. He's he's not real physical, but yet he is. I think he's a good player. Okay, I was surprised he wasn't drafted down the road, but uh, I hope he does well. And the Titans probably will. I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, special teams wise, I don't know what he would do. I don't think he's a kickoff return guy. I don't think he's a punt return guy. I don't think he's a cover guy. So he's going to have to make it as a receiver. So that's going to be tougher on him than what it appears, because he can't really play special teams. I don't think that's my opinion, but I think he should have stayed at USC. Some people just aren't ready to come out, but they listen to people and they have all these people telling them how good they are when they really should allow themselves to mature and put in their number of years that it takes and uh, come out when it's supposed to happen. So I just think, you know, I want to wish him the best of luck, and I think good, but why be in a hurry uh, when you're a tweener? And I considered him a tweener. You're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't, so that means you stay. So that's why I felt like that. Yeah, no, I think it's a good point, too, on the special teams. It's not really an aspect that he was uh, contributing on. That's that's a great way to make a team, especially if you're going to be an unrestricted free agent. Um, well, let's uh, let's jump into some questions. You ready, Coach? Yep. All right, uh, so Tarek had a couple. First is, if Clay Hilton said we have great depth, why not have a real spring game and get something out of it? What do you think about that? Well, Tarek, you know, I agree with you. You hear me talk about it all the time. The only way you learn how to play football is play football. And I don't think you can baby kids. I think you can protect kids. Now, don't get me wrong. I think you should always protect kids from injuries. And uh, if you have a lot of depth or you don't have a lot of the depth, you've got to play football. And I think who it helps the most is the players themselves. And sure, there's always a chance of an injury, and you take that chance all the time. But in the overall growth of the team, you're getting better. And it may cost you a player during the spring or whatever. But as a team, you get better, and especially when you have two new quarterbacks. The only way these quarterbacks learn how to play is under fire. But when it really is happening, the speed of the game, you can't just all of a sudden turn it on on Saturday. That doesn't happen. You've got to be 
into that speed and that action all the time. I always used to say, uh, we're playing the best team when we play each other. And I wanted my kids to believe that. I wanted them to believe that, hey, when we go against USC or when we go against our defense, that's ones against ones, you're not going to face anybody any better, okay? So let's move the football, and, of course, let's keep it where it's, you know, trying try not to fool the other guy. Let's run some bases and let's run some things where both teams have the opportunity, both sides of the ball, to be successful. And I tell the defense, you're not going to face the better skilled or better offensive team than our offensive team. So let's get out and stop them. And it becomes that type of pride that develops. And you, and you really believe that when you go one-on-one drills and seven-on-seven drills and all the drills you do is you're not going to face better players. And in the most cases, you, you won't be. But you've got to get better. The only way you get better is by playing football. And I agree 100%. Uh, if you watch most of the key programs in America, and you've seen them all on television, their spring games, it was an all-a-game situation with headsets, and some broke it up, the green team and the white team and the yellow team and so-and-so, whatever way you want to do it, or the offense against the defense, whatever you want to do, whatever way you decide to do it. But then again, you give a chance to, for each side of the football, to have a successful series to build confidence, which means ones against twos or ones against threes. gives a chance for your threes, for you to take a look at how good they do against the ones, and it gives you a chance to get your ones to score and, or stop people and get the momentum going that you need to have. So it's really important the way you put it all together and how you approach it. So I think the approach of the game and the approach of the spring contest and the challenges that you have as far as going into now the off season, as they call it, which there isn't such a thing, and fall practice is what you want as a carryover from that tempo into the fall camp. He also had a question about the receivers. Besides Michael Pittman and Tyler Vaughns, who has impressed you at wide receiver? Oh, let me think. Well, uh, uh, it's kind of like those two. It's like those two, and then there's sort of everybody else. Like, yeah, Trayvon Sidney's done some stuff, Ellis Jones. Like, he, he had a couple good practices, but... I don't know. I never really saw anyone like stand out, you know, day after day besides those two guys. I think that's why you heard a lot of us and silence from me, because I'm very careful to say who really did stand out. I'll tell you one thing, since we're talking about receivers, too, is the tight ends. I mean, I really want to see more production from the tight ends. I mean, of course, it's not my offense, but as far as the offense needs production more from the tight ends to make the receivers better from in the slot and so on in the spring game or whatever you want to call it that they had the final game of the year or scrimmage of the year. They utilize their tight ends all the time in short patterns, follow, and the Panay, I don't know, he didn't practice, but in the flat, a lot off the bootleg and, and things like that, which you got to utilize your tight ends. They ran more of a series during that opportunity, but uh, they've got to use their tight ends in their offense. And I don't know. I've been talking about that for five years, six years, maybe forever. And people are sick of me talking about that, but where you really put a strain on a secondary is a tight end. You really do a guy that's big physical can catch the football 
and uh, really causes a lot of mismatches. So and can block. I tell you, that's what I'd be looking for, man. I'd be looking for me a a big high school kid, about six six, six seven, two forty, that has good hands. Maybe a basketball player like Antonio Gates and others are, and I bring him in and make him a big time receiver. Yeah, I think getting Daniel Metro Bebe back, if they get him back, that would be huge. I think Josh Metro Bebe did pretty good sometimes in the spring, and I'm still waiting but on there's Randall. No, there's no flow. You never see him ten plays in a row. You yeah. never see any set unit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, the Vegas kid, Randall Grimes. I want to. I I think he could be special too. But it's just it's been tight, like Vaughn's and Pittman, and then just kind of everybody else so far. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Grimes uh, got hurt a little bit, but he he could be a great player. But it doesn't not getting his turns. And now I hear they're possibly going to bring in this Wake Forest receiver. And the first thing I said is a receiver, yeah. <laughs> another receiver. You got to be kidding me! Yeah, I, I can't believe that. I mean, you know, but uh, that's what I heard. Yeah, we'll see. Um, okay, this is kind of a draft, uh, sort of a follow up. Uh, Nick from Cyprus, Big Nick, twenty one USC on the Peristyle. Question: Do you see any first round picks on this team for next year? And uh, I, I know there's been some publications they do mock drafts already. Uh, so the names that have come up that I've seen have been. Porter Gustin, uh, Cameron Smith, and Marvell Tell. So all on the defensive side. But I don't know if you think, what do you think about those guys, Coach, or, or anybody else? But obviously it's a long way off to try to predict first-round picks. Got a long ways to go. You know, Porter has had high pub the entire time he's been at USC, okay? Uh, was injured last year. Has all of the physical attributes to be a great football player. We'll have to see. I know his his year before when he got hurt, I thought he was maturing to be a pretty good football player. But we got to see him go. We got to see him play. We got to see him dominate against a different team and play the type of football play. Hey, to be one of the top 32 players in America, you got to be pretty good. So you got to jump off the screen at people. So, you know, he has that potential. But to say now that he'd be a number one draft choice, I can't say that. He's somebody to watch and see how he matures and see how he comes along. But as far as uh, Cameron Smith, I can't say that either. I mean, I think he's a tough kid and he's around the football and basically is the leader on the defensive side of the football. I might say, and I might be wrong, but he gets people lined up right. But I would say uh, currently right now, that's it. And uh, it's hard to, to say that when you have the best roster, I think, in the Pac-12. But stars come from wins, and stars come from team play. So I think there's a lot to happen before this all happens, and uh, that's too far off for me to talk about. Yeah, it's it's pretty far away. Um, all right, let's see. Let's go to – so we had a couple questions about JT Daniels. Uh, I'll read them both to you and kind of get your thoughts. Um, first is Dominic in Irish country question for the coach. One thing that stands out to me about JT Daniels games is he is very good down the field thrower of the football. Uh, what are some things that stand out to you about the game of Fink and Sears? Uh, so I, well, let's do this one first. Cause it wasn't really JT Daniels related. He likes the way JT throws the ball down the field. What do you think stands out with Fink and Sears? What do they do? Well, well, uh, 
I think I don't think they do anything well. I mean, really good yet. I think they're in the learning process for me to say uh, they're doing everything well. I think they're still playing with that hesitation as far as uh, putting too much pressure on themselves and not letting it be a flow of the game when uh, you let it happen. Uh, they're competing against themselves, and they're afraid to make a mistake. And when you're afraid to make a mistake, you make more mistakes. you got to play with confidence and, and get it done. I think that uh, I think reading the secondary is something they need to work at and throw the ball to the right person at the right time. They can't always look for the short underneath routes. And, you know, if you have third and ten and you throw the ball third and five, you're still going to punt the football. I think you got to recognize down-distance situations and uh, be able to take control of the team. I haven't seen either guy take control of the team yet, but uh, they got a long ways to go. And it's not going to be easy for JT Daniels to come in and, and uh, uh, adjust to the speed. You can walk around behind the huddle all you want, but to adjust to the speed of the game is going to be something that's going to be difficult, and they got to be able to bring these kids along slowly. And that's by developing the run game and where it isn't real – difficult for a quarterback to hand the ball off and be able to run play action pass where he has some time to throw the ball either in a cup or around or bootleg and the linebackers believe you're going to run the football if you think you're just going to sit back and throw the ball and go down the field every time with these kids you got some you got some tough times ahead of you but when you throw the ball all the things everything getting good when you throw the ball all the time you're going to get interceptions or turnovers or sacks, and you're going to get off schedule, and you're going to put your defense in a bind. So I think you've got to use other areas of your offensive game to make your quarterbacks better until they become more confident as a leader and a quarterback on your team. And that's by running the football, run series where they understand what's going on, don't confuse them, put them in charge, and – uh let it go. And I think Daniels can throw the ball well. I think Daniels got a lot of pressure coming in, too, because a lot of people are expecting a lot from him, and everybody's going to be watching him to see just what he's doing. But again, if you're going to play him, you've got to make a decision. You can't wait. You've got to decide who you're going to start against you and LV, because you've got Stanford and you've got Texas immediately coming up. You've got to make the decision, but again, you've got to make a decision where all three fit into the style of football you're going to run on offense. And then, um, so the question I was talking about with JT Daniels is that, uh, this is from Super Steve in Seattle, said everyone's raving about JT, his feet, his arm, his brains, his superhuman ball placement, very excited to see him play. Can he take a hit? Sam was on his back, all of the Cotton Bowl. Can JT withstand a season like that if our offensive line plays like 2017? Super Steve in Seattle says, fight on. No one can survive that, okay? First of all, when you play bigger, stronger guys and you get beat in the offensive line, you're thinking about not getting hit rather than looking at what you're supposed to be doing as far as passing the football and so on. When you're beat up front, your quarterback is more concerned about getting the ball off and, and, and surviving than he is playing a football game. So you've got to make it where this kid has a chance, and that's why I mentioned the play-action pass and running the football and getting your guys up front to be physical. You've got to be physical up front because if you're not physical up front, guys will beat you. You've got to pick up the right guys. and You can't get run over and you can't miss the guy. Or you can't shove a guy and think one shove, shove is a block. It isn't. And be in the right position. So, you know, I, I think it's 
uh, no, I, I think that, uh, you know, you've got to have the, the blocking to put the quarterback in a position where the timing's there as well as the snap. You've heard me talk about the snap a lot where the quarterback can expect the snap to be where it's supposed to be so that he can start his read or faking and do the things that are necessary to perform the, the offense. Because offense is all timing, all timing and faking and, and misdirections and, and holding people in their thoughts, trying to make a defensive player stand still or not be sure what's going on. So, uh, no, you know, I, I think he'll be a tough kid. He's been hit before. But you can't continually get hit. You know, Sam Darnold was a special, different type of cat. He played linebacker. I don't think any of the quarterbacks at USC could ever have been a linebacker. Maybe they were at one time, but they're all quarterback type of kids and built that way. So Sam had a different mentality. Remember, they had to teach him how to slide. He didn't want to slide. These kids know how to slide. So it's a different type of, of kid you're working with. But, uh, he never has been hit that much playing at modern day, and because they had guys up front, I think the whole entire offensive line got Division One scholarships at modern day. Maybe one didn't. I don't know. But when you have those type of cats in front of you, you can perform pretty good, when especially you have great receivers and a great running game. So, you know, you've got to depend on the whole unit. You always hear about take the offensive line out to lunch or dinner, and that's something you got to do. you got to depend on them. But you're not very good. Ask Andrew Luck. Yeah. <laughs> and we still haven't seen him. I think he's not even throwing yet, man. So I'm, I'm curious about Luck no, when he comes back. And he's back. a big physical kid. Yeah. If you, you've seen Andrew Luck in person. I have yeah. too. You'd say, my goodness, big kids. And, you know, he can't survive either. Crazy. Um, yeah, you got to protect them, no matter how good they are. Let's, we got two more. Uh, this is uh, Maybet from Ontario. Uh, she said, yes, the USC Alumni Club of the Inland Empire. Um, first, thanks again, Ryan, for speaking to our alumni group. It was a small but very engaged group. Great info from you and Gerard Martinez. So we went out there to the Alumni Club of the Inland Empire uh, last week, I believe, uh, last weekend, I guess it was. Um, and uh, yeah, Maybet is with them. And so, yeah, it was cool. We got to go out there and uh, meet people and chat with them and answer questions and stuff. So it was a lot of fun. But thanks for having me. Uh, sec- the question is for Ryan and Coach Hyde. Which group of early enrollees do you think has the most excellent work ethic? It seems that the 2018 spring enrollees of Justin Dietrich, Kanai Malga, I think that's how I say Malga, uh, Ryan, I always get it wrong, Raymond Scott and Chase Williams are up there. Thanks for asking my question, um, answering my question. Okay, so that's a lot to remember, like which uh, you, I do like this group a lot. Um, and I went back, coach, and looked at some of the last few years. So 2015, uh, it was Ricky Town, who obviously left. Um, Chuma Doga, who's still around. You know, that that's worked out well. Isaac Whitney, uh, who is a, you know, JC guy. Cameron Smith, pretty good one. And Roy Hemsley, who also left. So I'd say that group was pretty good. Um, 2016, uh, it was a little bit different. Uh, Nathan Smith, uh, who ended up. Uh, retiring, uh, C.J. Pollard, who we haven't really seen a whole lot of. They also had Dalen Hayes, who was supposed to be a, a signee. He had actually signed paperwork, uh, but obviously didn't end up at USC. So I wouldn't say that would be a contending group. And then last year, uh, Taylor Katoa, the linebacker, who ended up getting hurt. Jack Sears, who you know we haven't seen a whole lot of yet. Damon Johnson's a snapper. 
and uh, Andrew Voorhees who end up starting. So that that's that's one positive one there. But um, any thoughts on all that, Coach? I I think this group that you're, we're seeing right now uh, would be the leader in the clubhouse. I would agree with you. I think they're very competitive. I think there's some guys who can play. I really did. And they weren't intimidated this spring. When they came in, uh, you saw them running around, and you saw some guys uh, with respect from uh, the uh, returning players. They say, hey, this guy can play. I better hustle or I'm going to be on the bench. These kids come in with a lot of uh, confidence. They go to the front of the line. They're flying around. I think they're doing a great job. I like the group that came in. And uh, I think that that I agree with you, Ryan, after going through the names of the players that you just mentioned, as far as in the past, compared to this spring group, there's no question. I don't think that's even a comparison. I think you have some players here that contribute this year and uh, will get on the field in one way or another. And if something happens to a starter, these kids are ready to play. I really like them. Yeah, I think it's a really good group. And uh, it's funny, it's hard to picture off the top of your head. Okay, wait, who are the early enrollees? Like, what's a really good group of early enrollees? You know, because like the Ricky Town year, you had two quarterbacks come in. One's Sam Darnold, who doesn't enroll early. One's Ricky Town. And soon after that, Ricky Town's gone, even though he had the advantage of coming in early. But, you know, Cameron Smith, uh, you know, last year, Andrew Voorhees, you know, coming in, that that I don't think he would have been able to start unless he was an early enrollee. So it's certainly there's some um, some stars that have kind of come through that but it's not it's not for everybody it doesn't work out for everyone but uh, I, I do like this group a lot uh, I agree and I remember the day that we discovered or I discovered boys we were up there in the corner on the other end because they had some recruits there and they were down in the playpen area where we normally stand and we had a chance to watch the offensive drill and I might have been standing next to you and I said that 72 kid that came in here that kid's gonna be a player and uh, he was just new right on campus and he, he went out there and and, uh, well, it turned around, and he ended up starting. And I think he has the potential of, of becoming a great player because he got a lot of turns last year. And we'll see what happens to him this year. I hope everything works out well for him again. we got one last question for you. Uh, I didn't, didn't write down the name. I apologize for that. But said, your God-honest opinion, is this team ready, uh, really ready, to de- dedicate to the run? What the offense will see from opposing defenses should give T. Martin ulcers. For example... They're going to see first down run blitzes, eight men boxes, both safeties no more than seven yards from the line of scrimmage, corners sitting on all routes with within five to eight yards, and a whole lot more. They have no vertical threat receivers, no quarterback to threaten any defense, and a rudimentary offensive scheme specifically with route combinations confirmed by most NFL scouts. Can you see this offense driving 80 yards with 40 seconds left, no timeouts versus Texas on the road? Can't bubble screen your way out of that. Hate to be overly simplistic, but Helton's future past 2018 solely rests on if they are able to run the ball well. What say you, coach? Wow, that's tough. Well, I'll tell you one thing. This guy's done his homework. I think he described the offense perfectly. I really do. I don't think you have great speed on the outside. you got Varys Jones. Uh, he's probably the fastest. Um and and that's the way I would play USC. I would force them to, you know, throw the ball down the field and get after him, put a lot of pressure on the quarterback and uh, force them to try to run the ball but be up there in front where, you know, I'm going to plug, plug every gap. And, again, if you drive the guys off and you happen to hit one of those gaps, then you're going to home run because uh, the guys are playing man outside. 
But I, I think that's why I'd play USC early. I really would. I'd play them. I'd put the <coughs> excuse me, everyone, excuse me. I'd put all the pressure on the quarterback. Because when you see that type of front inside, you know, they got more guys than you do. So you better go to a two-back set. And you better be able to maximum protect, and you be able to get somebody open and do some crossing routes and do some routes where you get a, a play to loosen them up. Because if you don't loosen them up, they're going to stay up there all the time and, and play that type of defense against you. I think you described the type of defense exactly what I would play currently with three new quarterbacks and and uh, make them – force them to throw the football to beat me. And uh, I think that's what they're going to see. I really do believe that because you want to put all the pressure on the quarterbacks and and that's what you do. You take away the run. And, you know, I hear everybody uh, say, uh, T. Martin always says, uh, we're a run team, we're a run team, we're a run team. Well, you know, you can run the football against those type of defenses that we just talked about by blocking gap, kicking out, bringing a guy through, and doing different type of things. But you got to be in you know, balance type situations where you run and you believe you you won two tight ends where they have to play both tight ends uh, as a balance and you balance the defense out where they can't overload you anywhere. And then it comes down to being able to run the football, get the two back set, balance the defense and get after it and then play action pass. And if you can't do that, then you can't beat a defense like that. So you can't let them have one extra guy in the inside, and the only way to balance it is being a two-back type of set uh, and also uh, two tight ends, and then you can do that. And But you got to believe in the running, running the football. You know, if you just say you're running and you're not running it, and the only way to do that is practice it over and over and over where they gain confidence. I agree with the caller. I think that's or the, uh, the question. I think it's uh, what they need to do, and they better work on it. The coach, Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. Go to his website, harveyhyde.com. Coach, appreciate you coming on. Uh, missed you last week. And look forward to more uh, insights of this Trojan team going forward as we go ahead through the offseason. Keep sending those questions in. They're always There's some really good ones that have come in. Ryan, again, I appreciate being on the podcast, and it's great to talk with you people out there. And, you know, I have to say that you guys are – an astute group of hardcore football fans. Your questions are are legit. I mean, they're not questions of where they come up with that. It, it, they're legit questions, and they're questions that we have to give some thought to. So I appreciate that because it exercises my brain too, and it makes me think about things maybe I did not think of. So we want to thank you very much. Yeah, thanks to everyone for sending in those questions. And thank to you, Coach, for uh, coming on again. It's always fun. And uh, everyone out there, thank you so much for listening to the Peristyle Podcast. You make it all possible. So hope you enjoyed this show, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting.
Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 